0: And it's the white trashiest dip, but it's so fucking good. What is it? It is mayonnaise. Gross. Sour cream, a ranch packet, and bacon bits. Hmm. And you eat it with fucking Fritos. Shit. Separately, you're like gross. And all together, you're like gross. But (laughs) when you eat it, you're like, this is why my thighs feel the way they do when they rub together.
1: (laughs) So good. You got them fancy sauce thighs. (laughs) Too. What is that from? Welcome to SVU Pod Especially Heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. Today we are on season two, episode three, Closure Part Two.
0: What? So Closure Part One is episode eight in our first season. If you haven't listened to it already. So in the first one, oh, let's just read the IMDB like synopsis. Oh yeah. Ew. I'm not reading that description. Despite SVU's best efforts in an episode in season one of the show, Neil Maffin got away with multiple rapes. That only whetted Maffin's appetite for more. Ew, I know. It only moistened his appetite for- <laughs> Gross. Wait, that was actually the description of this episode. Ooh, this is when this, oh yes, it's, I'm coming back it's all all coming. coming back to fucking. Here. This is the one in season one where Benson and Cassidy hook up. Oh, is that where right? she's wearing
1: that cute outfit and she was like, chill, I'm going on a yeah. date? And he's like, you'll never get married because you're married to the job and you're like, calm yeah. down, Cassidy.
0: But so Harper Anderson is our main survivor in that episode, the rapist, by the end of the episode, she couldn't identify him in a lineup. And so he got to leave. He collected jewelry from his victims he kept them as trophies and was just like really slick at getting out of the hands of the detectives so like they were very confident that they had the right guy Mm -hmm. but they couldn't hold him it was just showing a lot of the part of the system that can be so frustrating for survivors when they go to try to seek justice she knew it was him
1: yeah it attempts to show like the process that some survivors go through like yeah to get through you know right So we're in the opening scene. There's a 911 operator. She's answering phone calls. She gets one annoying phone call from someone stuck in fucking traffic and wants to know why there's all this traffic. She hangs up on him and answers and it's a woman who sounds panicked saying there's a rape happening. She gives an address and a dog starts barking and a guy starts yelling. Stuff you can't understand. Mm -hmm. And then the operator is disconnected. So she sends the police.
0: Did she look familiar to you? The operator? Uh, I don't remember. She did to me and I could not find like her credits or anything. If she's somebody that you know, let us know.
1: Yeah. So Benson and
0: Stabler. Go ahead.
1: Okay. So Benson and Stabler Uh, show up. (laughs) (laughs) So Benson and Stabler show up to the scene. The cop says the 911 didn't get an apartment number, but they're knocking on all the doors. They find a card outside of the fire escape with the name Lori Thatcher on it. Cops get inside the apartment and the victim is in the shower. I
0: wanted to comment on these cops out here. Go ahead. So the cops that Benson and Stabler come up on are total predictable dicks. Okay. Predict um (laughs) i'm like stop i have to say this (laughs) so they comment that maybe there wasn't even a perp like it was a prank call and i'm like okay that's how i want cops showing up to the most traumatic moment of my fucking life
1: yeah so the cops get inside her apartment and laurie is in the shower and a cop tried to get in but she was understandably like freaked out and he backed off she's been in the shower since we got here i went in and she
0: freaked out like fucking genius. No shit.
1: Yeah. So Olivia is going to work her like beautiful calm magic and she kind of like knocks on the door and Olivia gets into the bathroom and there's steam from the shower and Lori, the victim, keeps saying everything is filthy and she's in the tub scrubbing the drain. She's scrubbing the
0: drain with a toothbrush?
1: Yeah. Like, ugh. She's kind of beat up and she wants, she's like, I want everything off and gone. So Olivia like turns off the shower and tells her the guy's long gone and gets her to kind of like calm down a little bit and like Olivia wraps her in a towel and gets her out of the shower
0: And we know that any physical evidence is destroyed. It's gone. As Olivia goes in to get Lori out of the shower. It's like crazy steamy. You know, she's been showering for 45 minutes.
1: Yeah. So the Vic said that all he kept saying to her was, is this how you like it? Is this how you like it? She wants Olivia to stay with her. She's like blonde, petite, single. The perp washed her and stole some of her jewelry. Same MO as the season one episode. And he's at it again.
0: Olivia and Elliot have this little sidebar. And Olivia's like, bastard's at it again and Mm -hmm. there's a slow pan in on Stabe's face and he's like why am I not surprised and I'm like fucking get him you guys I got hyped (laughs) this is such a good episode it really
1: is a good episode yeah yeah. so they're in the squad room Benson and Stabler are like positive it's Kenneth Cleary the same guy from last year same MO Olivia's pissed because they had him but couldn't keep him Craig reminds them that it wasn't their fault and then Stabler's like fucking tell that to the victim and then Laurie walks in Mm. and you're like oh god so they're in the interrogation it's it's hard because sometimes there's like interrogation rooms and then sometimes there's like questioning rooms with like windows and stuff so like it's not scary i'll
0: always say it's an interrogation room if it's the perp you know Mm -hmm. or if it's somebody they're like questioning but if it's like a survivor coming into like, like a conference fill out a room report. or something yeah. that's I always say oh they're in a conference room at the fucking precinct you can't tell all the walls are like a pukey green so
1: yeah it's just some of them have windows to the outside and other ones don't
0: and other ones only have a one-way mirror
1: yeah that Craig standing behind Craig doesn't sleep or
0: anything he just powers down in front of the one-way mirror <laughs> yeah it's like where you hang your Dyson <laughs> <laughs> I'm only getting material from what's behind you
1: <laughs> so Olivia's asking Lori questions she asked her if she was one that opened the window because she woke up and he was in there he had pulled her shirt over her head and had hit her
0: we're watching this from the perspective of Kragan and Stabler on the other side of the one-way glass and Stabler is listening to her give her statement to Benson and Benson's talking to Lori and she says and then what happened but then Stabler from the other side of the glass goes he tried to kiss her and Lori goes he tried to kiss me Stabler is fucking boiling inside and it keeps going back and forth between Laurie and Stabler and he can finish her sentences because he knows it's fucking Kenneth Cleary yeah. and he knows his M.O. Another part of Cleary's M.O. is that he makes sure they don't see his face. Munch pops his head in to where Stabes and Kragan are and he says they've got nothing from forensics obviously mm-hmm. and Stabes just goes there never is with Kenneth Cleary. Mm-hmm. He's so defeated until Laurie says as soon as her attacker heard the sirens he got out of there but Laurie hadn't called 911 mm-hmm. and we're like that means there was a witness. Craig and like we've got to move slowly and i'm like i bet craigen's really good at fishing you know (laughs) can you just imagine like we're gonna get him we gotta move slowly don't let him know we're on to him and i just imagine him and like waiters casting out it's really quiet like fly
1: fishing of course
0: oh yeah he's got a fish on the line but he's like easy easy (laughs) and he knows when to just you know,
1: yeah. I want to go fishing with this guy now.
0: With Dan Florrick, Yeah.
1: You know he does. So they're at the public safety thing where the 911 dispatcher is. And they're listening to the call. The call came from a payphone. The woman making the phone call and the dude that was yelling at her are two potential witnesses. Mm-hmm. So they take the tape. Stapler's like, well, I mean, three if you include the dog. <laughs> You're not picking me up from the beach, Dad. Like, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, of course we count the dog, but don't be such a munch, Stabler.
1: <laughs> Benson and Stabler are at the payphone the call came from. Lori's apartment is, is across the street on the third floor, but you can't see into her apartment from the payphone, so they need to find out who lives in the apartments across the street that maybe saw. So they go into Lori's apartment and see that there are two apartments that can see into hers, and one of them has a gorgeous <gasps> little golden retriever in the window. Oh
0: my God, Gabe. Yeah? I've never been more in love with you. My... <laughs> Notes say the detectives go up to Lori's apartment and see that there are two apartments across the street that can see into Lori's. One has a gorgeous golden retriever. Oh my God. So they're <laughs> headed over there. <laughs> i love you so knock knock olivia announces through the door they're they're outside of this apartment now with the dog this woman's name is mrs walton she cracks the door and asks for id she's seeing impaired Mm -hmm. also i fucking love her
1: yeah she's great she
0: tells them that the neighbors have been gone for a week benson tells her that her apartment looks into the window of a crime and mrs walton takes her sunglasses off and says in the most dumbed down tone for olivia she's like i'm blind Detective. Yeah. Benson asks if anyone was there with her, and again, her tone. She goes, now. (laughs) She says that Billy took Hank out for her. Hank's the dog. I know.
1: I I wrote, by the way, her dog's name is fucking Hank.
0: That was my brother's (laughs) dog's name. Anyway. (laughs) He was a blue Great Dane. He's not with us anymore, but he was a real sweetie. So she said that Billy would take Hank out for her. His name's Billy Smith. He lives downstairs and he's a doctor. And she goes, if he's not there, you might try to roof. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She was like, no nonsense and didn't give a shit. And I loved her. Yeah, she was great. So Benson and Stabler find Billy on the roof and they need to get Munch up there to do a paternity test because this dude is Munch in his fucking 20s. I thought he looked like John Mulaney's cousin or something.
1: But yeah, I know the Munch thing is... It's that's right. He looks like a really young.
0: He looks like young Munch. Time traveled into the future. And he's like, this will be good. <laughs> but then he like makes this really subtle joke and nobody gets it. Right. And he's like, that was great. And then he goes back to the 70s or whatever. <laughs> he's like a virgin. <laughs> so he says that Hank would have never lunged or barked at anyone. He's a trained guide dog. Mm-hmm. And he's like, try the newspaper stand down the street. So as soon as they approach, there's a dog going ape shit. At this newspaper stand
1: it's a really adorable doberman
0: yeah but it is like worked up yeah the stand owner is this growly old dude smoking a cigar who turns out to be this low-rent rodney dangerfield character yeah it was his dog that jumped at a woman on the phone she was blonde and thin he didn't get a look at her face but she had on a black sweater black slacks and thong panties i'm an ass man i don't apologize for it
1: (laughs) yeah i was like Looking at the lady behind him who was holding mm-hmm. the dog, which I assumed was his wife, just standing there listening to him talk about her panty line. Yeah. It was weird. I was like, it's very disrespectful. I had a whole side story about his wife in my head. So,
0: See, my side story immediately goes to like, they're an old couple. The guy's full of shit. She knows it. Oh, he's harmless. Yeah. Quit it, Ted.
1: I liked him at first. I thought he was like just kind of a funny crotchety old New York guy with like a wet cigar. But then after he was like talking about her fucking thong, I was like, oh, okay, I don't like him anymore.
0: Back in the squad room, Craigen is trying to keep them open to the possibility that it wasn't Kenneth Cleary until Toots walks in and says two minutes after the payphone was used to call 911, a call was made to Cleary's brownstone. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Cregan won't let Benson and Stabler go because he doesn't want Cleary getting a whiff of them. So he sends Munch and Toots.
1: Yeah. If Cleary sees Benson and Stabler because they were doing the case before, Cleary, it's done. Yeah. So they're at the Cleary home. Munch and Toots are at the door talking to Cleary's wife. She confirms she received a phone call around midnight.
0: Well, and when Munch and Toots get to the door, she comes up and she's like, well, it's about time.
1: Yeah. She says she's been after the phone company for months about all these phone calls she's been getting. She says a woman has been calling and harassing her and telling her that her husband is a rapist. So last night she got a call from a woman saying that her husband was like raping somebody right now. Munch and Toots tell her there was a rape across the street from where the call was made. And they're like, was your husband home last night? Mm -hmm. And she doesn't answer, but said that her husband is not a rapist. They ask her again and she says her husband was home. After she got the phone call, she went back to sleep. And then she called the phone company the next day. The phone company had offered to put a trap on the phone line, but her husband doesn't want them to because they could listen in on his personal phone calls. And he works in finance
0: so back at the precinct they're going through clary's phone records toots says that she alibied her husband but she was choking on it i'm like god he's cool (laughs) like all his lines are always really cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that didn't take long the phone records go back to harper anderson the rape survivor from closure season Mm -hmm. one she's stalking him. So Benson and Staler go to Harper's and she has Laura Crofted out. Yeah, dude. She's fucking Sarah Connor. She's cocky and sassy and is getting this feeling of power from following Cleary. Yeah. She's got this chic, pretty empty apartment but with a huge framed print of Cleary's mugshot and you can just like mm-hmm. feel her rage boiling inside of her.
1: Yeah. And Olivia's like, you can't stalk Cleary. And she's like, stalking? Why, that's illegal. I surveil from like a legal distance. She knew that they were going to be coming pretty much
0: yeah the detectives don't like it but Harper doesn't give a shit yeah she tells them that she saw him disappear into the alley and then saw the fire escape but didn't actually see him go up the fire escape
1: yeah by the time she got to the alley he was gone Mm -hmm. and then she circled the apartment to make sure there was like no way that she could have missed him
0: and then she did see him run out of the service entrance of the building as the sirens were blaring
1: Mm -hmm. and the
0: whole time she's like oh have a glass of wine it's six the workday is done he's a workaholic and won't leave the office till." eight so we have like an hour and a half to chat (laughs) they challenge her that she doesn't even know for certain that he raped her since she couldn't id him Mm -hmm. and she says that she went to his hearing for theft of stolen goods and when he was leaving the courthouse he winked at her Mm -hmm. mother fucker. Harper makes it clear that she expects nothing from the NYPD. Benson and Harper then go toe to toe. Mm -hmm. Benson says she's not equipped to deal, but Harper disagrees because somebody's got to do it. And She's like, you're harassing his wife. And she's like, give me a break. She's enabling a rapist and you're too busy to deal with him, so I will.
1: Yeah, I was like, damn. I love
0: her and I agree with her. And she's channeling her energy. And you know what? She still has integrity. They're like, oh, you're doing all this shit. She could have said she saw him go up the fire escape. She was alone. Mm-hmm. She didn't see him go up the fire escape mm-hmm. and she was honest about it.
1: Yeah, true. So, that's true. I didn't even think about that part of it. Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't until just now when we were talking about it. Oh my God. Uh-huh.
1: So they're in the squad room. Olivia's explaining that the system failed Harper and she's operating the best that she can. And then Toot says, street justice is always bloody. And I think that's his first like actual quip in the show. You think so? Yeah. This is the first time that they like panned over and over to him and he got to say like a little iced tea thing. Thing, you know
0: yeah <laughs> he got to say a little <laughs> thanks ice yeah this shifted really quickly for my perspective of it because benson is really on the side of harper but like i don't think she was trying to give that to harper too much when she was like yeah. hey you're kind of taking this into your own hands and you're not being safe and blah, blah, blah blah she also
1: wants to like protect harper mm-hmm. because this is potentially dangerous and she could end up i mean i'm not going to tell people how to survive that stuff but you know it's probably right. not the healthiest thing but yeah. who are we to say and Olivia's right. right, like the system failed her and she's doing the best that she can. Mm-hmm. Kragen gets munch and toots to go bring Harper in to have a blunt talking to and says Olivia's too close to her. And Kragan wants Olivia and Stabler to get in Cleary's face and let him know they're onto him.
0: Yeah, Kragan's ready. He's got his disappointed yep. dad wagon finger ready to talk to Harper. <laughs> <He> be- <laughs> Dude, fucking Benson and Stabler get out of the car in Cleary's neighborhood. Harper's got his mug shot with rapist underneath on flyers taped up all down the street. And they get there right as Harper and Mrs. Cleary are full on fighting. And Mrs. Cleary's like, my son's going to see these. And Harper's like, he'll know where he came from. You're enabling a rapist. The detectives separate the women right as this tiny flashy convertible (laughs) peels up and Cleary gets out.
1: It was a tiny little matchbox car.
0: I should have had John look at it because he would have known what kind of car it was. But it looked like... It ran on double A's. Yeah, it did. It was like, there's no room for an engine in that thing. No.
1: So what he does when he leaves work is he goes into the back and has to wind up (laughs) the car and then hop in quick and zoom home.
0: It runs on a twisted up rubber band. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I hope traffic's light. (laughs) Fucking stupid.
1: It It was good.
0: So he says he was at home with his wife when Lori was raped. And Harper's like, you're lying. I saw you. She is Fucking killing this. Yeah. I'm obsessed with this version of her. So then Cleary says to the detectives, So every time a woman's raped, you're going to come for me? And Stave's like, Not every time. Mm-hmm. And Cleary goes, How long do I have to bear the brunt of this woman forgetting to take her lithium? She's obviously damaged. Ooh. And Harper takes a deep breath grabs a metal pipe sticking out of the trash can spins on her heel and Beyonce music video smashes the dude's fucking windshield oh on his stupid little car it was awesome. so good and so satisfying immediately
1: it was like lemonade
0: so Benson goes right up to her
1: she's like don't fucking make me cuff you and
0: Harper's not wrong she goes perfect arrest me not the rapist right she gives no fucks anymore she has zero to be afraid of and she fucking knows it everyone walks off And smug shitbag is smirking until his wife mean mugs him and walks inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was the first moment that we saw, like, "Mm, there's cracks in Mrs. Cleary.
1: Yep. Craig and Benson Stabler are in Cabot's office. She wants to know if they have any more info on Lori Thatcher's rape. She's the victim in the beginning of the episode that kind of gets, like, pushed to the side until the end. Yeah. So Lori could do a voice ID, but they know Cleary won't come down to the station on his own. And they need probable cause. So Olivia says that Harper saw him exiting Lori Thatcher's building, but not the apartment that's the big difference here and then harper breaking the windshield pretty much cancels her as a witness now anyways
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like they're really just arguing semantics, Mm -hmm. but these are the things that like matter in the black and white of court. Yeah, it's just so frustrating because she saw him leaving the building where a woman was raped with an M.O. that she's familiar with that. It's just, yeah, it's it's feels like fucking gaslighting. Like, no wonder you're smashing this guy's fucking windshield. Yeah. Cabot's on their side and she says she'll field anything Cleary tries to bring the courts against Harper. Yeah. So they're not worried about. Yeah, Like him coming for her because Cabot's got it covered. Mm-hmm.
1: And Olivia's like, maybe we need to fucking start where Harper left off with the following him and stuff. And so Craig and all for them following him. But Craig like, I can't authorize overtime to follow Cleary. But like Benson and Stabler don't care. They can afford their orange juice and a single tomato.
0: Wow, that was a really, really, really deep call. It back. was. It was. Benson and Stabler go into Cleary's office. They pass him and ask to see his boss. They are all biz. Mm-hmm. This is some suit and tie cop shit. Mm-hmm. Every time the boss asks a question, they don't even deflect it. They just completely ignore him and continue their questioning.
1: I mean, they they start off the thing saying, yeah, we're investigating some serial rapist and then asks what they can tell him about Cleary. And he's like, what? Like They're like putting these little seeds of like mm-hmm. Cleary's fucked up maybe, you know?
0: Yeah. So the boss tells him that Cleary is a top earner and workaholic who's always at the office. He spends half his time in Philly for work and there's a corporate apartment there. Mm-hmm. Benson and Stabler let the boss know about Cleary's misdemeanor possession of stolen property and ask for his travel records. They like basically say it in passing. Yeah. And his boss is left with so many questions and zero answers. And that is some strategy to fuck with Cleary for sure Mm -hmm. because he is now a company liability.
1: Yeah. So this is fucking awesome. So yeah, I love this. Me too. Cleary goes outside the building and sees Stabler in his car eating some food, pounding a hoagie. Cleary walks up. He's like, you just had to tell my boss about the possession of stolen property. I brought in 58 million last quarter. Like, think they gave a shit about a misdemeanor? And Stabler says, and a rapist? And then fucking Cleary seriously leans in closer to Stabler, which is like, "You like, what are you doing? So he fucking leans into Stabler and says, from one hungry man to another, is there anything better than gorging on a fresh caught meal? And then tries to fucking walk away. Oh my God, this was so hot. They were fucking grabbed him by his tie and pulled him closer to him. He's like, you won't be eating out anymore and let him go. And I was like, fucking sploosh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know? Like, holy shit. It was awesome. Fucking Stabes. Then he just like spits out the window and they alpha dog stare at each other oh. as Cleary like backs away. Oh, you can just see
1: Cleary like slowly like little cracks in him because of the shit that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Did you know that oh. I was gonna like lose it about that scene?
0: Um, yeah. Stabler was cool and like his rage was on the surface, yet like wouldn't break the surface. And when he grabbed him by his tie and it was so controlled, and this guy is just a fucking weasily little fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite part about it is that stabes kept eating his hoagie Mm -hmm. while they were having this talk and like he finished it at just the right time and then after he let him go he spits and he's just like yeah staring him down you know don't
1: Mm -hmm. lean in say some shit to stabler oh my
0: god stabler's got anger issues cleary
1: yeah they're in the squad room munch found that in the last six months there have been three rapes that have cleary's signature mo Benson and Munch are cross-referencing the dates that he was in Philly to the dates of the women that were raped in Philly. And Mm -hmm. every single one was when he was there. And
0: he's supposed to go to Philly tomorrow on an Amtrak. Craigan wants Munch to follow him, and Munch is like, is there something wrong with the facts? Mm -hmm. Ever confused by his relationship with technology. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Craigan says, Philly's (laughs) under investigation for dumping rape accusations as unfounded, so he doesn't trust them and he wants his own people on Mm -hmm.
1: it. I fucking love Kragen.
0: Me too. But my question is, isn't there jurisdictional stuff there? Like a detective can just follow him to Philly? Well, if they're doing their own investigation, right? Yeah. They maybe
1: couldn't arrest him there. Correct. This is,
0: it's all a tactic.
1: Right. So it's... Nighttime and it's outside Cleary's home and dude is taking out his trash and he sees somebody sitting in a car and he like looks in and it's fucking Toots and he like flashes his Uh. badge like hey I'm watching you motherfucker.
0: It's so cute because it's like completely dark and you just see Tutuola sitting in the driver's seat of his car and he doesn't break eye contact or blink. Yeah. Staring at Cleary and you just see his hand come up with his badge in it and he just sort of like wiggles it back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: now we're at Penn Station the next day. Cleary is headed to Philly on the train and Munch and Toots say hi and give him
0: shit. Like he gets out of the cab and they're standing there.
1: They're like, what's up? <laughs> Cleary looks over to Toots and says, and you are, and Toots says, the knot in the pit of your stomach. And I was like, <laughs>
0: Cleary's trying to stay hard, and he's like, I hate to disappoint you, but I don't mind the company or the attention. And Munch sasses back, and he's like, so there's no need to ask. And he looks over his transition sunglasses, and he goes, is this how you like it? Ooh, yeah. Cleary does not like that.
1: That was great.
0: <laughs> yeah. He storms off to catch his train. Toots and Munch are such incredible partners. Yeah. And I cannot believe... as any of us. I cannot believe that Ice-T was slated to only be in like four episodes at first. Really?
1: Yes. I didn't know
0: that. Oh my God. He was supposed to go on as like a transition person or like, I don't know, but he was like, oh yeah, I was set for like four episodes and now it's like 20 years. Fucking
1: A man. With a woman like Coco by your side, you can do anything. Anything. All things are
0: possible. I can do anything. (laughs) Okay. So this is when I was like, wait, I thought they were like trying to be stealth mode with Cleary. And now... They're like, hey, we're following you to Philly. Mm -hmm. We got stuff going on there. Just going to be on the same train. (laughs) And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, oh, you're not covertly following him to Philly. You want him to know that you're there so that he doesn't commit a crime, so that he doesn't rape somebody. So they're like, they can't do anything, but they can let him know that like, we got eyes on you, motherfucker. So you're not going to get away with shit. Right. So that's what I'm assuming the whole like out in the open following him shit is. Yeah. You know, it's intimidation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we're in this squad room. Benson and Stabler get facts of a list and the description of the stolen jewelry of the rapes in Philly matching the Cleary M.O. So there's three in New York City and three in Philly. So that's like six pieces of jewelry altogether.
0: So Staves is going to go ask Mrs. Cleary if she has any of those pieces.
1: Mm-hmm. So then Craig is worried that Mrs. Cleary is in denial or is possibly an accessory. And then there's also the issue of spousal privilege. So right. spousal privilege basically means that one spouse cannot be compelled to give a testimony against another in a criminal trial but a spouse can waive that.
0: Yeah, that's what I was confused with later. Well, because
1: there's like a whole bunch, there's like two two different types. It was like spousal privilege with communication and spousal privilege with, I don't know. It, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into it, but either way, a spouse can waive it. Stabler tells Craig, and he's like, I won't ask her about her husband's rapes. Um, I just want to show her the jewelry.
0: Yeah, he thinks it's going to put pressure on things at home, and it's worth a shot because there's not a whole lot more they can do. Yeah. And he's confident that he can approach this appropriately, and he yeah. takes
1: off. And then Olivia is going to meet with Harper for coffee because she feels like she dropped the ball with her. She's actually meeting her at a firing range, and Craig is like, "What?" And she's like, "Bye,
0: Dad." <laughs> you know, yeah, she's like, "She's permitted. See you yeah. later." And I'm like, "They are going full Sarah Connor transition with Harper," and I am. Into it. Dude, yeah. So we're at SBU in
1: Philly. Munch and Toots are being told the stories by the Philly rape victims.
0: They're all telling chillingly similar stories. And it's a scene that really displays a range of responses. Mm -hmm. Like it's subtle, but one's boiling under the surface. One seems checked out. And one is on the verge of crying the whole time. Mm -hmm. At the end, the angry one says that she asked him if his mother knew what he was doing and he told her that his mom just wanted him to be happy.
1: Yeah.
0: (sighs) And Munch and Toots were like, "Mm -hmm.
1: "Yep, let's go fuck with this guy. Yeah.
0: Sailor shows up
1: at the Cleary home and he's knocking on the door trying to talk to Mrs. Cleary. She doesn't want to talk to him, but he's standing out the door talking about rape loudly. So she answers the door and she's like, shut up and like quit harassing me and my family.
0: We haven't seen this tactic from Stabes yet. This is another... Mm -hmm. Character that Officer Elliot Stabler, Detective Officer, I don't know all the Detective Sergeant Officer (laughs) Lieutenant Private Elliot Stabler, (laughs) Swashbuckler Stabler. (laughs) He has so many layers. So when she's like, "Oh, I don't want you to stand on my stoop yelling rape through my door and he stands up straight and he goes, yes, ma'am. Yeah. And he like turns on to this really uh, like respectful and like hard yet compassionate. It's beautifully Mm -hmm. done. So he tells her that he has a list of jewelry that they believe her husband stole from the victims. And she argues that her husband makes money and doesn't need to steal. But Staves is ready for that. Mm -hmm. And he tells her that this is a sickness. It has nothing to do with money. He uses the trophies as a way to re relive the rapes and get excited and she's sitting there the whole time like you can see her taking it in and she's playing with the necklace that she's wearing Mm -hmm. kind of like um, mindlessly she seems to soften up a little bit and Stabes fucking brings it home Mm -hmm. and he goes i'm sorry to put you through this i know this is a terrible ordeal for you but it's worse for the victims and quite frankly and his voice cracks and he goes i don't know where else to turn yeah like he's fucking got her he fishes with (laughs) Cragen. yeah yeah for sure because he's like he's like (laughs) slowly slowly there it is (laughs) fucking frying up bluegills baby (laughs) <laughs> oh my god oh yum he goes i won't bother you again and he walks away and i'm like oh he is not done with you by a long shot lady yeah
1: mm. he leaves a list of jewelry with her for her to like you know she's gonna yeah. go through her shit you know
0: oh yeah 100 percent. oh that's the first thing i would do
1: yes okay harper and olivia are at the fucking firing range
0: when we come into this scene the visual of it's awesome because we're looking down the barrel of harper firing this gun mm-hmm. at the shooting range and i'm not a gun gal but she definitely feels some power with this oh yeah thing. for
1: sure Harper's a fucking crack shot and has an insane gun. It's a 50 caliber double action Desert Eagle 14 shot clip. This thing is massive. Olivia's like, a 14 shot clip is illegal in New York. And she's like, well, eight is plenty. (laughs) So Harper tells Olivia she's like not interested in revenge or justice anymore.
0: She goes, do you think I'm Velma Vigilante stalking Cleary waiting for the perfect moment to shoot him? That's not who I am.
1: Olivia's like, well, why the fuck are you following him then? And she's like, because I'm Mm -hmm. fucking afraid of him and he's the last thing I'm afraid of. And if she can get over that, then she will have her life back completely. And then Benson's like, do you want to go get a drink?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So they're walking to the... Place around the corner. Holy shit. They run into Mrs. Cleary. Mm-hmm. She says that she was just leaving Harper a note. So I guess they were right by Harper's place. They have this amazing exchange that is so women supporting women empowering that I got chills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She tells Harper that she was defending her husband, but now she feels guilty. And Benson asked what made her change her mind. And she slowly pulls out a gallon sized Ziploc, which is way bigger than what she needed to have. But that's like not the mm-hmm. point. But she pulls the Ziploc bag full of jewelry out of her purse. Mm-hmm.
1: And we're all like <gasps> Oh my god Turn around Tiffany right? make a music video to that too
0: uh, Yeah so now we're at the precinct Mrs. Cleary is telling Benson, Stabler, and Cabot about receiving all of this jewelry from her husband as Olivia carefully lays it out on the table. Mm-hmm. And she goes, He called them no special occasion gifts. He'd get excited when I tried them on, and I thought it was romantic. Well, Stabler comes up and whispers to Cabot that six of the pieces match. And Cabot goes, What about the rest? Because there was a bunch of them. Yeah. And Mrs. Cleary was like, He gave those to me the same way, and I don't want them. Of course, there's more rapes that they don't know about. And Mrs. Cleary's crying, and she picks up her cell and dials it and goes, Get- him. Yeah, come home now and she's like freaking out so I assume it's her husband and she turns to tell them yeah. he'll be on the next train home from Philly so Munch and Toots are like yeah. four steps behind Cleary coming out of Penn Station and I laughed a little bit here because like the way cop shows follow perps is like super stealth but I'm like not Munch and Toots so yeah. um, remember last season when Munch was terrible at not looking like a cartoony detective when he'd be following somebody and now yes. they're just like let's pivot and high school bully this guy yeah. he literally looked like Darkwing Duck
1: you know what I mean <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time. I know, I don't know how that how or why that <laughs> popped in my head. <laughs> they're like on his heels. Cleary turns around and finally snaps. that He's going to call his lawyer and the police commissioner. And that's when Benson and Stabler just stroll up and they're so satisfied to say, you're under arrest. And that got me thinking, we should keep track of who says you're under arrest and Mirandizes each perp. Because I'm like, do you think they take turns intentionally? Or is it like, oh, no, I got to say it last time. It's your turn. No, I insist. And sometimes they do it in unison just for fun. <laughs>
1: Well, I feel like Olivia does it a lot. I feel like Stabler does, like, the grabbing of the guy Mm. and the handcuffing, or at least, like, the grabbing of him, of the person, and then she handcuffs and says it a lot. Yeah. Also, I I liked how Cleary, like, in the first season, in the first episode he was in, he was, like, smug the whole time, and throughout this episode, he had a smug smile, like, the whole time. But, like, with them following him Mm -hmm. and, like, them making it aware, like, they want to be four steps behind him they want him to know that they're following him you can just see his his face is like getting more and more like frustrated and like nervous
0: the subtlety of that was really good Yeah, he did
1: a good job of showing how effective Mm -hmm. their following tactics were yeah yeah so we're in the precinct you can see craigan's like dad face in the glass reflection (laughs) so laurie thatcher is going to pick him out now Again, Lori Thatcher is the victim in this episode. But, yeah. I mean, there's so many women involved. and
0: Yeah. Harper Anderson is really stealing the thunder here.
1: Yeah. Lori wants to close her eyes. She doesn't want to see the dudes. Cragen has them each say, is this how you like it? So uh, this is something I was always wondering, like, how come the people that do lineups don't, like, mask their voice? How come it doesn't come to, like, clearing? he's like,
0: hi, hey, is this how you like it? Like, you know, we're like, is this how you like it? Like, yeah, yeah. why? And then Craig's like, quit it. <laughs> As they're going in, it's kind of like like you can't make a stupid face when you get your driver's license photo. It's like yeah. the same thing. Like you're going in there like, just be fucking normal. Just say it internet. We know what your voice is. <laughs> is this how you like it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so she she picks out Cleary immediately. Like she recognizes his voice. And then mm-hmm. she runs out and Olivia goes after her. Clery's creepy ass lawyer comes out of the shadows like I didn't even see him in there in the beginning he
0: is a slick haired sweaty meatball of a man with a mustache
1: yeah. yes he's like very entertaining
0: Ugh. he's got octopus tentacles for legs you just can't see yes
1: <laughs> for sure he's an octopus with a mustache in a trench coat <laughs> I was gonna go on a whole octopus he had, to, <laughs> ha- had to go to law school to send money back to his family <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's noticed that it's not wasn't a trench coat <laughs> top of his class okay so then the, the <laughs> yeah the other women from philly pick him out of the lineup as well like immediately
0: this is what i hate cleary's lawyer so much the next victim ids Cleary just as quickly as Lori did and he's so dismissive to the survivors and he says he doesn't need to stay for the others because he's like well we see where this is going I'm sure you'll do it fine and he says he'll see Cabot in court and I'm assuming Mm. that that's pretty unprofesh
1: yeah probably (laughs) they're in the arraignment court the judge is reading Cleary's counts Cleary looks back and sees Harper and like smugly smiles and then somebody's like butt moves out of the way and his (laughs) fucking wife is sitting next to her yes his fucking face is priceless he's like oh fuck
0: it was so so good I loved it because you didn't even notice you just kind of like saw half the screen was covered by a butt and then he's like makes oh man those two women joining fucking forces against this piece of shit Mm -hmm. everything about it made my heart squeal
1: yeah. So Cabot wants to remand without bail. His lawyer is fighting it, saying he's not a flight risk. And Cabot said he has a seven figure salary. She's like, if he can afford you as a lawyer, he can afford to fly. Mm-hmm. And then Cleary's lawyer is like, oh, he'll give up his passport. And Cabot's like, no, he's a fucking menace to women and has victims in different states. Right. So Cabot and the judge is like, okay, pick a fucking number. And Cabot is like 500000 And the judge says, let's double that. And then Cleary must be rich as hell because his lawyer was like, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it's like a million.
0: Bail's at a million dollars, but all have to do is go to a bail bondsman and so for him to get his hands on a hundred thousand dollars because like as far as a
1: hundred thousand dollars oh a
0: million right no a hundred thousand because cabot asked for five hundred thousand the judge says let's double it right but have you ever watched Dog the Bounty Hunter? I'm going to explain how people get out on bail. They don't have to give the million dollars. What they do is they go to a bail bondsman. They give him 10% of oh. whatever. And then they can get out on bail. That's why there is a Dog the Bounty Hunter. Because if he were to flee, then that guy in his mullet would be after him. Oh, Because otherwise the bail bondsman is in it for the million dollars. Right. Okay. So that's...
1: Yeah. Okay, so we're in the court hallway. Harper runs up to Cabot and says, is this the best you can do? And Mrs. Cleary runs up as well. And Cabot tells her that she shouldn't be there because she's actually her witness. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Cleary's like, I came because I thought maybe there was a chance I was wrong. But then I saw the way he looked at Harper and I just knew. And then Cabot was like, is there anything I can do for you right now? And she's like, yeah. Do you know a good divorce lawyer?
0: And I'm like, great. Can we start calling her by her first name now and not this Mrs. Cleary bullshit that makes her not an individual? But this dude's wife. What's her name? We find out later, but um <laughs> I <laughs> I started calling her this this is the point where I started calling her Susan because she deserved a name and she looked like a Susan to me.
1: Okay um i'm not gonna do that until we find her name because it's gonna be confusing
0: well i'm gonna do it but i'll clarify every time that it's mrs cleary because then when i did find out her name it was a lot of fun for me <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay one of cleary's lawyers comes up and wants to talk to cabot harper turns around and she, she's like your fucking client raped me and you're going to burn in hell and the, then the lawyer's like i'm jewish there is no hell
0: yeah and i'm like what do you say to that she's like well all right <laughs> well fine
1: sir <laughs> the lawyer hands cabot a bunch of motions that he's filing
0: he's going big
1: yeah she was like, "Let's dance around it's just give me your fucking motions he's like cool and then they'll meet each other in the judges chambers yeah because
0: he's filing a motion to suppress evidence due to spousal privilege mostly involving
1: this jewelry and this is like a huge fucking
0: Mm -hmm. this is a
1: big part of the case
0: and i learned something here because i thought spousal privilege just meant the spouse had the option not to testify Mm -hmm. um which in and of itself is a weird law but there's like a spousal privilege on the other end where like you can fucking gag them because they're your husband or wife which is so weird I thought
1: that it was just just, um, that you could waive those or not, but maybe there's different.
0: I mean, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, she, the spousal privilege that I knew about would be on her end where she could just say, I don't want to testify against my husband. That's what I thought too. I want to tell everybody every fucking thing I know. Mm -hmm. And the lawyer's like, they're trying to suppress that.
1: Yeah. So they can actually say like, you can't have her in court. Or she can't Mm -hmm. talk about stuff in court.
0: So Cabot and this other big-time lawyer, the big-time defense attorney, are in the chambers of Judge Margaret Mm Barry. She is like if the Queen of England had a twin sister, but Mm -hmm. they were the old lady version Lindsay Lohan in The Parent Trap. (laughs) This lady is the queen trying to live as an American judge, but like can't help drinking tea and giving herself away. So she (laughs) says, Spousal privilege is inviolate. Discovery was made through the wife. Give me a good reason not. Not to throw out the jewelry. I'm like, you're really trying hard to have an American accent and you don't (laughs) have that. And both attorneys are going super hard. Cabot is arguing the entire procedure of how they made sure not to violate any spousal privilege laws. But Cleary's lawyer is arguing that Stabes went to Mrs. Cleary with the full intent of discovery and should have given the list to Mr. Cleary and not disrupted his wife. Mm -hmm. The judge only hears so much and says they have to limit it to the receipts of the jewelry and by whom. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Next is basically her attitude.
1: Yeah, because Cabot was like, wait, wait, wait. She's like, next. Yeah,
0: she won't hear anything further on on it the defense then tries to get the voice ids thrown out but margie barry is not dealing with that shit and says he can go after that during cross and offers him more tea she Mm -hmm. is a tight butthole of a woman and i kind (laughs) of like it
1: yeah so they're in the supreme court now Lori thatcher is on the stand if you guys remember who Lori thatcher is (laughs) she's the victim she points to mr cleary during the cross examination she's like i know it was him the the fucking octopus lawyer comes up.
0: That's his legs, you guys. It's not like it's not gross. It's an octopus man's legs. Okay, get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> like Squidward, kind of like he's like, oh, he wishes he was fucking Ursula. He's he's a, he's a piece of shit. He's Ursula's second cousin, who she doesn't talk to when the family gets together. He's just uh. like over at the fucking dessert table, pounding candied shrimp or some shit. What a <laughs> octopi eat? Candy shrimp, I know that.
1: If I know anything, I know they eat candied shrimp. So Octopus lawyer is like, well, you didn't actually see him, but you heard him. So he like takes out a fucking tape recorder and plays a man's voice saying, is this how you like it? Mm -hmm. She's like, I don't recognize it. But the man on the tape is a co-worker that she talks to every day. She's like, oh my God. What he's trying to do is be like, you don't know. Just listening doesn't mean that you know who it is.
0: Right. If you can't ID this guy that you talk to every day, but he didn't, he gave zero context for the tape. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I'll see somebody that I see multiple times a week in a different location, let's say I see them at fucking school and then I see them at the grocery store, I will not approach you because I am not 100% sure. And I guarantee I don't know your name. But if I see you at the place that you belong in, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just fucking randomly be like, hey, what's this? And she's going to go, oh, Greg, you know, or
1: fucking whatever. I think that's the kind of the point he's trying to make is like.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Cabot's objections are intensely peppered through his whole thing. This whole like Mm -hmm. tape recorder shit that he's doing. And the judge agrees with her. And I'm like, fuck off, meatball. Mm -hmm. Meat baltipus i don't know i was trying to put... <laughs>
1: meet baltic
0: baltipus that was my nickname in high school <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I hate the, oh, you can't recognize. I mean, there's so many holes in what he's saying, and I know this is why the judge ended up agreeing with Cabot. Like, this is also a traumatic event, and there are things that you never forget when you experience a traumatic event, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like when she heard his voice, it was immediate that she recognized it. She doesn't have trauma with this fucking coworker, you know? I don't know. Right. Nobody needs to, like, needs me to convince them that this fucking lawyer is a slimeball, so... Okay, so Cabot and Benson are prepping Susan. Remember, that's what I'm calling Mrs. Cleary. Mm -hmm. This is in a conference room. They're prepping her for her turn on the stand. She's upset and confused why they can't ask her the detailed questions about how he would have her wear the jewelry before sex and get Like super excited and shit. Mm -hmm. They explain to her that they're only allowed to ask so much because of the restrictions given by the queen. She's really worked (laughs) up because she does not want him to get custody of their son, who I forgot existed. Captain Benson then get her to focus, take some deep breaths, because they're like, you need to just focus on what what we need to do, right? So now she's on the stand in the courtroom answering Mm -hmm. the questions. Where she got the jewelry, what?
1: Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Just... (sighs) she's so like this lady played Mm. a like on the edge my world just collapsed around me my husband's a fucking rapist like i don't think i can do this like fucking person because the whole time i was like don't say anything about the fucking jewelry because you could just ruin this don't say anything you know it's just like no way oh god go ahead
0: yeah she's on the stand she's answering the questions about where she got the jewelry, when he gave it to her, was it a special occasion? They're trying to connect the timeline for the jury here mm-hmm. because that's all they can really use this for. Yeah, She's able to give an exact date when she received a necklace and the defense objects stating there's no way she would know the exact date. And I'm like, mm, you're such a smart lawyer, but a simple, simple man. The judge asks how she knows the date and fucking Mrs. Cleary says that it was the night before her son's first day of school and her husband had come home from a Philly trip to be there for that. hmm fuck you guys. That's shit that moms know, okay? Mm -hmm. Cabot tries to go forward, highlighting that the necklace was owned by a woman who had been raped the night before, but got checked by the judge and told to stay within the scope. (laughs) So Cabot moves on and pulls out a ring to ask if Susan recognizes it. Her husband gave it to her. She remembers because they were dressing for a charity event, Mrs. Cleary fucking goes off the rails Mm. and cannot calm down. Mm -hmm. She yells that he got so excited that he had to have sex right then. You had me wear your trophy so you could get off you sick twisted bastard and I'm like oh fuck the defense calls her fucking hysterical and moves for a mistrial because she's caused irreparable damage to the jury and he gets it Mm. fuck the judge tells Cabot she holds her responsible because of the witness's fragile and emotional state and tells her to get some professionalism and start over Harper runs up to Susan and pets her hair and Susan is out of breath apologizing and they both look at Cleary and he fucking fucking and smiles. Oh, smiles at them. Piece of shit. I know. Okay. So I get really for-
1: worked up. <laughs> no, it was good because it, it wasn't. It was pretty intense. Yeah, you know, because she's like, "Wow," and you're and like, "Oh no, oh no!" Like he's gonna get a fuck He's gonna get away again, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're in Cragen's office. Craig and pours cap a glass of vodka or gin or whatever the fuck he has in his drawer. She's like, are you going to have one? And he's like, A. a. Yeah. And he's like, cool.
0: It's a real dad, teen daughter moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Craig is pretty much like, stop whining. There's victims and we have to keep going. And then she's like, I don't need this, you know, whatever. And he's like, shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he says that Mrs. Cleary is the most victimized of them all because she has his son and has to deal with him for the rest of his life. And I don't think that's for him to decide. It's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I get it. Like, she is intensely a victim. Like, but he's, Ca- yeah. Cabot is feeling real bad about herself,
1: and he's trying to get her, like, pumped back up. Like, dude. Right. Quit fucking whining. We're a bad bitch. Let's yeah. keep going. We need to help these people. We need to help these victims. And Mrs. Cleary is a victim. It's just in a different way. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the phone rings and and picks it up and he's like we're on our way oh shit so they're at the Cleary house Mrs. Cleary has changed wait I need a second wait. okay
0: <sighs> okay
1: Okay, we're yeah. at we're at the Cleary house. Mrs. Cleary has tears streaming down her face.
0: She says she stopped to get a few things and he hit her and he wouldn't stop. And Harper was there with her. I'm assuming just because they're like super leaning on each other like codependency-wise. So Harper's there and said that she had no choice. Benson asks who tried to clean up and Harper goes, "I did." Meredith was hysterical. She didn't want the blood soaking into the floor and I was like, oh, "Meredith, <laughs> She is such a Meredith, by the way. I can't <laughs> yeah. believe I was like, Susan. Pff, duh. <laughs> Harper asks if it matters. Like, oh, does that matter that someone tried to clean up? And Olivia goes, Harper, you know it does. Bleach kills gunshot residue. Mm-hmm. And Harper's like, hmm. And Staves asks, who shot him? Meredith says, she did and harper stares him down she also like kind of gives a little like cleary smile smirk at like okay so before they went to the scene i was like oh my god are they gonna do a closure part three i don't remember them ever having like a three-parter besides the the only one that i can think of is when fucking porn stash from orange is the new black is the dude who kidnaps benson and shit. like way in the future i didn't realize that was i didn't realize that was him oh my god yeah it is whoa anyway this episode is my favorite episode to date like from everything that we've covered even in the first season yeah really yes
1: whoa it is a better one
0: This is amazing. You're right. (laughs) Part of it, I think, because it wasn't like, what is this fucking twist? It's like, of course this happens. Yeah. And it's great. And I love it. And Harper's Sarah Connering through the whole thing and uh, her evolution from the first one to this one.
1: We don't know if Lori Thatcher is doing okay or anything (laughs) or if she got some (laughs) therapy or anything. We don't know anything about the original victim. Yeah.
0: Remember that person who commented on our shit and was like ugh, is overrated and i'm like how it's like i'm not gonna argue with somebody on the internet anymore but <laughs> it's like you don't know shit dude man i'll just
1: hop on that shit and just say shit to people i don't even know yeah i was don't. reading a thread of something and there was like thousands of comments and some guy to me seemed a little like worked up mm. and i just replied and was like chill out guy like that's it <laughs> and like that could possibly start an internet fight with somebody I don't... It's like, no, game. Yeah. you chill out guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this chaser.
0: Dude, it is something else. I tell you what, this shit's fucked. Okay. This chaser is about Lonnie Keith. Okay, so this isn't the worst thing about this guy, but it's going to be the thing you notice first. He is the king of gaslighters. The majority of this is from the perspective of this guy's wife. Okay, She gets a first name right from the jump. and Her name is Carrie.
1: So it's this is about Lonnie White. Lonnie and Carrie White. What did you Lonnie say? Lonnie Keith. <laughs> Lonnie and Carrie Keith. Yeah. Okay. Where did I get White from?
0: I have no idea, dude. Hmm. So, Carrie Rogers grew up in Prunedale, California. It was the summer of 1991. And this is where it turns into a memory scene, and you can faintly hear CNC Music Factory in the background. Cool, 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 cool. cool. Everybody dance now. Quit I'm it. I'm waiting for you to do it with me. <laughs> <laughs> Just go. So, in the summer of 1991, she was 15 years old. She met 18 year old Lonnie Keith. They went on a date they talked they really hit it off and her mom liked him right away these two became high school sweethearts and when Carrie graduated she moved to live with Lonnie who had moved for college like Mm -hmm. two hours away Mm -hmm. so in 1994 they had an apartment together but she's like it was fun to kind of like pretend like we had this adult relationship which they did but she had been with him since she was 15 Mm -hmm. so they were finally like it was different now and doing like grown up things and there was shit like regular shit where she's like I need you to help me do things around the house and he's like I'm kind of a piece of shit though and but but I will and really placating whatever like that was like a trait of his is that he would placate what she asked of him and then shit would go back to like him being shitty mm. you ever date anybody like that gang? oh
1: no never even like yeah. I, I didn't even think that existed
0: yeah it's really unfortunate
1: <laughs> I love the trying for like a week and then six
0: months of oh, bullshit God, those years of my fucking life so one of her biggest issues is there was a porn issue. She caught him watching porn all the time. And not everybody cares about that. I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But she did. And that's something that two people that are going to be together need to work out. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't down with it. Like she caught him. Here's the thing. This is why he's so gaslighty. Like the first time she caught him, he was like hanging out with a buddy watching porn. He's like, it's not mine. It's his. He wanted to watch it. It's just starting. It's like not this isn't this isn't I'm I don't do this. And she's like, all right, well, I'm I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. And he's like, all right, well, I'll, it'll never happen again but then she kept catching him watching porn and he kept coming up with like bizarre excuses so eventually she got fed up with it she didn't she didn't like it so she ended up moving out to paradise california to go to beauty school and to be by her mom
1: wait she left him because of porn that's so weird to me i guess things were different it's just
0: not something that right so that's why i wanted to put like an asterisk there because not everybody cares about that shit i don't understand caring about it i feel like now we know that
1: it's kind of more of like it can be healthy to watch porn i think it's different when you're like you like you're like let's say you meet a woman and you like and you guys are gonna have sex and you're just like all right i'm just gonna like dip you in rubber and let your hair on fire and she's like whoa 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 like we haven't you know what i mean like it's if, if like you, about to start making out and he spits on his hand <laughs> <laughs> yeah he just spits in your mouth or something and you're like whoa but it's like you know where you can't tell that you, you can't tell the difference between like real life and porn and that's but what i do people are
0: talking about with like yeah. young people and stuff how they're like this is how they're learning about sex when we learned about sex from like, you know, American Pie and that was a big fucking deal. Yeah, it's like... We'll just tell Mom that we ate it,
1: <laughs> just like doing what had been happening for thousands of years it was like finding whatever porn was under their yeah. dad's mattress, you know now it's right. like the internet, so,
0: but I mean, I get the whole desensitization and everything and and I'm not here to debate like whether it's healthy for a relationship or not, but it was something that she made clear that she wasn't down with. I mean, it just sounds like a young person thing where it's like, oh yeah, no, I won't do that anymore, but I'm gonna do it anyway. You know Mm -hmm. as you get older you're sort of like oh this is something that is really upsetting to me i need to be with someone who also is like not down with it in any situation like you need to be equal in those ways yeah so she she moves out to paradise california to go to beauty school and be with her mom but they did that young person thing and they talked every night on the phone so they weren't even like seriously broken up you know Mm -hmm. eventually lonnie started taking classes at chico university and he and carrie moved in together so this is when they got engaged but she kept catching him watching porn. He's really bad at watching porn. He, yeah, just like, I mean, I guess it's like the mid to late 90s at this point, so he's got to watch it on his TV.
1: No. Like, she
0: would get up and it'd be the middle of the night and he'd be like, whoa, click. Like, what are you, what's up, honey? Maybe
1: maybe she was finding it in the history or something, too.
0: Mm, yeah, that's true because at this point, like, throughout this, she's like, well, I was going through some stuff in the garage and it's like, you know, when you're in a relationship with somebody you don't trust, you're like, whoops this fucking box." of personal paperwork opened Mm -hmm. up yeah maybe he had like a thing with getting caught too i've heard about that like oh maybe
1: it was a dan savage article i read once anyways go ahead
0: so then carrie gets pregnant and on june 17th 1998 the two of them got married and a few weeks later they had a little boy oh and then it's so funny how you're like people need to stop fucking having kids and then they had a baby and you're like oh my god great
1: i think it's because i have to say that and i'm like used to saying that so i just do it it makes people happy Uh like makes people happy for me to care about babies for some reason. I appreciate
0: your honesty. So between then and 2002, they had two more kids. Lonnie became a physician assistant. So oddly enough, I just saw a meme that was like, hey motherfuckers, it's physician assistant, not physician's assistant. So I noticed that every single person on every single news piece or show or article that I watched or read said physician's assistant. and I'm like, fuck you, Lonnie. (laughs) So sorry to any physician assistants, but that's like the appropriate
1: physician assistant
0: physician assistant not physician's assistant they're not like the secretary to the fucking
1: physician okay
0: yeah they're not like they go through a ton of school they're not just like handing the doctor a scalpel or whatever I don't know what the job is but there's there was a very aggressive meme about like don't fucking call me that kind of like when I was doing massage yeah and people would say masseuse and I'm like masseuse implies sex work which is fine, but it's not what I do. Yeah. It's a massage therapist. Right. Anyway, so he worked a shit ton at two different hospitals after he graduated as a physician assistant. He was round the clock at work. Somehow they managed to fuck again and they had their fourth kid in 2010. After she has their fourth fucking kid, she finds out that Lonnie is cheating on her. <gasps> so she sees this text and he tells her it's just work stuff. It was like a text that was like, hey, send me a picture of you and the kids in your Halloween costumes. And he's like, it's work stuff. Mm. so then Carrie's like going full bore she goes through their phone bill and finds a bunch of calls to and from the same number that was like newer Mm -hmm. she called and it's Natalie (gasps) a work friend she's just a friend we're friends I need to know about you if you're friends with my husband right right like have all the friends you want but they're like again these are communication things that need to happen so I don't believe you Lonnie. So fucking Carrie goes to Natalie's door.
1: <gasps> oh, man. I'm like,
0: woof. But who among us? You know, right. Natalie comes to the door. She denies it, too. So here's this. So Carrie's like spinning by this gaslighting shit at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. Carrie's oh, out God. in the
0: garage one day. Just that, just
1: that feeling. I know. The feeling of the spinning and like thinking you're fucking insane when you like, oh, God, it's like, I don't I hope I yeah. never have to go through that shit ever again.
0: I mean, because your dude that you were with when we first started hanging out,
1: mm-hmm. oh, he God. was
0: insanely doing that to you yeah yes i was going nuts you were on the outside going like oh my god dude it's good this is making you crazy yeah mine didn't do that as as bad it was crazy who did that to me the most like blatantly and i would be like okay
1: i remember the dude that that we were talking about from you know two seconds ago Um, he would lie and gaslight about the weirdest shit. Like, I'd be like, what'd you have for lunch? And you're he, and like, no, I went to McDonald's, but he like really went to Burger King. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, like it was stuff like that. It was like weird shit like that along along with like huge shit. But like,
0: like how intentional was it? You know what I mean? Like, what is the is that all thought out? I don't know. I can't I can't wrap my mind around somebody thinking that way. It's just really weird and just evil.
1: Yeah. And like pathological. It was so bizarre.
0: Yeah. So, I haven't go. even gotten into I'm just talking about this woman's shitty husband. I haven't even gotten to like All right, the let's shit. go. Let's go. So, Carrie's out in the garage one day and she found zip ties, thigh high nylons and syringes with clear fluid in them. And she's like, "Um, hey guy, what's this little collection of shit about?" Oh and he God. tells her that the nylons are hers. She's like, "Okay, the syringes were forgotten in his lab coat." And I'm like, "That's not how no, that works." No. I've watched Nurse Jackie, okay? <laughs> And that the zip ties were for landscaping shit he was doing around the house, which I use zip tie shit all the time around. Mm -hmm. But she was like, I don't understand why it was all hidden in the garage. Like, why is this all like a collection of things together that's hidden in the garage?
1: Oh, my God. He's going to kill her, isn't he?
0: And he goes, (gasps) I feel like I have to hide everything because you make such a big deal about shit and I'm like peak gaslighting right right turning it on you I have to live this secretive life because of you I'm doing normal shit you're the one who's not being normal and you're the reason I can't be normal Like, Mm -hmm. oh, so she thought it was hidden because maybe it was shit for him and his mistress and they were into some like shit or something. Mm -hmm. But when you've got four kids and you're trying to emotionally survive, you just keep going. Mm -hmm. Plus, remember that he has been the only dude that she's been with. And I think that's that's scary to think of like not being with that person.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So a year later, a package comes to the house. It's thigh high nylons with some lacy edging. He tells her they were for her and She's just like, okay, but th- this is co- this is her every day, is this guy gaslighting her. And she was kind of going crazy with all of her doubts and speculations. And she's obsessed with this idea of an affair. But Lonnie ended up suggesting they see a marriage counselor, which is like, oh, you know, cool. she's, she's like, oh, that sounds great. But Carrie wanted Lonnie to move out while they were working on things. Mm-hmm. So... Pretty soon, with seeing the marriage counselor and everything, it seemed like they were communicating better and Lonnie was moving back in. So by this time, it was May of 2012. Fast forward three months. Carrie wakes up in the middle of the night and Lonnie's not home and by this point uh, cell phones were becoming what we're used to so she's like of course I have a fucking tracker on this guy so she looks at the tracker and sees that Lonnie's not at the hospital he's in Chico which was like 30 to 40 minutes from his work which was in Orville Mm -hmm. Carrie immediately thinks he's with another woman that he's with his mistress and that she like moved to Chico or something and she calls him and she's like where the fuck are you and this gaslighter goes what do you mean I'm at work and Carrie watches the dot on her phone, moving away from downtown Chico and back toward the hospital. And she kept trying to catch him in his lie by telling him to, she's like, hang up and call me from the landline at the hospital. You know, like, if you're at the hospital, she can see it with her own eyes. But this is like how when you're so gaslit that you're like, I'm going to catch you now. Like, this is when you have to tell me the truth. And it's like, they're never gonna. They're never gonna tell you. So she's like, hang up and call me from the hospital. And he's like, okay. And he does 40 minutes later. He's like, see, I'm at the hospital. And she's like, dude, yeah, you drove back. And he's like, oh my God, GPS gets messed up all the time. You're being paranoid. God, what the you know? fuck? Yeah. So when you're in something like this, and not telling you this, I'm just saying this for anybody who may have not experienced this, it makes you absolutely fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever been gaslit this bad, you know it like makes you dizzy. Like your brain is just feeling it's fucking spinning. Carrie yeah. was starting to feel like she was going fucking crazy. Yeah. So then Carrie wakes up at 6 a.m. one day and texts Lonnie, who still wasn't home another late night, but she was pissed and she was going to catch him at his mistress's place. But as she opened up the garage, she was met by a group of Chico police officers and detectives. So of course, she thought something terrible had happened to Lonnie, like an accident or something. And she was like, oh my God, what happened? They bring her in the house. They sit her down. Over the previous two years, 11 sexual assaults with the same <gasps> MO had taken place around the Chico University campus. Whoa. They were all women in their early 20s, walking alone in the early morning slash middle of the night. A man with a nylon stocking over his face would <gasps> grab them and force them into the back seat of a dark colored sedan or SVU or SUV I do the same thing
1: I do the same thing
0: or SUV with covered rear windows police were surveilling the area investigating these kidnapping slash sexual assaults and they noticed a car cruising the same area for an hour or so so when it didn't fully stop at a light they pulled it over and found Lonnie driving God. Stacey Edwards who was the Deputy District Attorney of Butte County said quote they noticed some blankets in the back seat area of the car which was significant because one one of the victims said the car that she had been put into as being like a cave of blankets so in lonnie's car the cops found syringes with clear liquid nylons athletic tape cut into strips zip ties leg restraints a flashlight with a stun gun, gloves, handcuffs, and vials of Haldol and diphenhydramine. So Haldol is an antipsychotic used to treat schizophrenia. <gasps> Side effects include dizziness, drowsiness, and trouble with thinking or controlled movements. Diphenhydramine is an antihistamine. It's known as a drowsy antihistamine and is more likely to make you feel sleepy than other antihistamines. The combination of the two basically just knocks a person out. So oh my
1: fucking- God, dude, I like didn't see this coming. Oh my fucking god, this is crazy. Yeah, I have so, full body chills, including my nipples. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said I the know. whole word. I'm sorry, I said the whole word. It's like nipples <laughs> is weird, but oh, I'm sorry.
0: Darla calls her elbows nipples. <laughs> she thinks they're. <laughs> <laughs> so I pulled another quote of Stacey Edwards. She said, quote, the stockings were significant because a victim had said that the person that grabbed her off the street was wearing a stocking over his face Two remember being zip tied and tape being used on their mouth or their eyes and being injected. So all of these things being found in his car with these victim accounts mm-hmm. equaled them arresting Lonnie right away on the charges of rape, intention to commit rape and two counts of kidnapping.
1: Oh my God.
0: Cut to Carrie. What the fuck? So it didn't make sense, but it all made sense. Yeah. Okay. She thought back to the night that she tracked him on her phone and he booked it back to work and she's like, oh my God, he was probably out looking for a young woman And like her calling kept one woman from having this happen to her. Yeah. So then she figured the affair was a decoy. And it turns out he was having an affair, too, because he's a piece of shit. But Mm -hmm. with Natalie, the woman that Carrie had confronted told the police that she'd been sleeping with this Opie Taylor looking motherfucker for a year. I'm going to post a picture of him because my description of him is correct.
1: Hold on. I got to Google this. Lonnie Keith. Lonnie White. Sure. Okay. hold on. (laughs) I actually typed in white. Damn it. (laughs) You fucking nerd.
0: I know. Get the
1: fuck out of here with this shit. You look like a gaslighting rapist.
0: Ugh. So here's something that Carrie had said. Quote, I just kept saying to myself, this can't be happening. Lonnie and I were married for 15 years. It scares me that if they do have the right guy, I laid next to him in bed and had a family with him. Ugh. Lonnie never showed me any signs of hate toward women. We have two daughters together and he was the best dad. I just want to do a si- an aside here showing signs of hate towards women does not a rapist make, but um, this guy was definitely a, a sociopathic narcissist,
1: yeah. And I'm sorry, gaslighting you is hate towards women, <laughs> it's like
0: right, but like when you're that yeah. close to, I mean, I think when she was describing, I think it was just the idea that she was having was more overt, you know, yeah, like. Okay, so he pleads not guilty. Now, I couldn't find the police report, but if somebody knows how to get fast-tracked police reports, please send me an email because I need another time suck in my life. (laughs) But, I I mean, it would also be, like, super helpful because there was something I watched, and it was like, we don't want to give away the details because they are disturbing. And I'm like, where do I find them? Anyway, so right before his trial, they tacked on another assault from the spring of 2012. I mean, they think that at least the eleven that happened on the Chico campus were him, obviously. But for this particular one, there was evidence found. Quote: Lonnie's DNA was found on one of the victims' underwear. Was something that um, Stacy Edwards. Is it Stacy Edwards? Yeah, Stacy Edwards. I wanted to. I almost said Alyssa Edwards, and she is a drag queen. <laughs> yeah, that was a quote from Who the bleep did I marry? Which was a very dramatic, snapped esque show. And season six, episode six, is about Carrie and her experience. And her piece of shit ex-husband Is she on it? Yeah. It's called Campus Creep. And I had to buy it for $3 on Amazon and it was worth it. Yeah. He then switched his plea from not guilty to guilty, which I'm guessing, speculating, assuming that the 2012 assault was the one they got the DNA from, obviously. Wait, so Um,
1: at this point, is is she like, okay, I believe that he did this stuff? Like, when they came to her door... Oh my God, no. What?
0: She... Everything I saw with her, I mean, is her speaking in hindsight. I, I watched this Dr. Phil, like segment with her and he kept asking her questions like, yeah, but what about, didn't you see this? Didn't you see this? When you are fully spinning. Yeah. Yeah on being gaslit it's like you don't there's a sense of security in believing this person's lies so she was so used to being led this is me now this is me just like psychoanalyzing somebody else but it's so hard to explain to it's you can't when you're in it you cannot and when you're out of it I had said this in that episode where I talked about the ex who stalked me and stuff Mm -hmm. um you feel the I, I shouldn't say you, I felt like it had happened to someone else because there was so much gaslighting and, and and like lying about things that were happening right in front of me. But I remember that sense of security of like, just believe what he's saying. It makes things a lot easier, but like there was no thought about like getting out. And then I can't imagine kids being involved in that.
1: Oh my God. And like
0: really wanting to believe this shit. So that's why I'm assuming the 2012 assault was the one they got the DNA from. The pile of circumstantial evidence that they already had, plus the DNA slam dunk, made his lawyer Robert Marshall be like, yeah, dude, you're fucked if we go to trial. So they had to change his plea. As part of the plea change, the prosecution sought to dismiss remaining counts, including two counts of assault to commit rape and three counts of kidnapping. So Edwards had explained that the original kidnapping counts included special allegations, including including administering a controlled substance and committing the act with an intent to rape. So had Keith been convicted of those charges and allegations, he could have faced multiple life sentences. So they Mm. were getting rid of that stuff. Marshall had said it was important that Keith had a determinate sentence because if he were to have been convicted on life sentences, it was very likely that he would have had no chance to be paroled. Mm. So initially, when they were trying to make this deal, the prosecution had offered to resolve the case with a sentence of 32 years to life and the defense responded by asking for 26 years, which the prosecution accepted if Keith pled guilty instead of no contest. So he was originally like, I'm going to plead no contest because I didn't do it, even though they had like fucking DNA evidence. Yeah. But so the only reason that they could go after, you know, he can't get hit on all 11. There were a lot of counts like why were there more kidnapping counts than rape accounts? They couldn't even fully call all of these rapes because the women were injected and sedated And some don't have very much memory at all about what happened. So this was everything they could get. I'm sure that when the 2012 DNA came through, it was something that was backlogged. Mm -hmm. That then was like, maybe they intentionally pulled it. Like, we need to pull this because this could be evidence against him and we want to like fully go for it. You know, I'm assuming that's what they did. I don't know. I don't know how real... Cop work works. Mm-hmm. I just know how, like, a very dramatic police situation would go. <laughs> so he ended up copying a deal for pleading guilty in August of 2014. His plea deal was three counts of kidnapping and one count of forceful rape. So, because he made the deal, he was sentenced to 26 years in a California state prison. He took the plea but won't admit to it. So he's basically like, Well, I had to take the plea to get this, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, because his lawyer's like, We can't explain all this shit away. He had told Carrie that the cuffs and all that shit was for her, that all the shit they found in the car. Mm-hmm. And gaslighters have such ridiculous logic for shit, but when you're spun on it, it's so hard not to believe. Mm. Carrie ended up divorcing him. Oh,
1: thank fucking Christ.
0: In 2014. He'll be eligible for parole in 2035 and will have to register as a sex offender for life, but he'll also have to undergo some psych evaluation to determine if he's a sexually violent predator before he's even considered for parole. Obviously. So. Yeah, he is. So. He's currently 47, so... Math. Bleep, 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 he'll be sixty two when that time comes around. Hmm. Bye bitch. Jesus. Bye. He's in prison in California. Did you do you know where the Term gaslighting comes from? I do, but go ahead.
1: It, it comes from a play. It was like 1938 or 1940. I think it's 38 called Gaslight. And it's like this husband is like slightly manipulating him and his wife's environment, but insisting that she's mistaken or like isn't remembering correctly. And part of it was like dimming this gas light in their like house. Like a kerosene lamp. Yeah. yeah. And just like think about that. Like at the beginning of being gaslit, it's like small things where you're like, maybe I did move that vase. I don't remember. Like, yeah, whatever. And then it's like slowly you can see. See how you can just like get into this hole it's fucking getting spun out next thing you know I'm like oh my god it's crazy
0: so do you see how it lines up though
1: yeah for sure yeah Ugh. i thought i mean it was a good chaser it was a good episode and a good bonkers. chaser
0: yeah yeah next week we're talking episode four legacy so <gasps> oh my god Ugh, fuck
1: tasha's gonna be pissed because Ugh. it's about a child but An abused seven-year-old girl lies comatose while Benson and Stabler try to figure out which member of her dysfunctional family is responsible for her state. Mm. Sorry, Tasha.
0: I hate this. I hate doing this. I hate all of you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You made me do this.
0: I mean, whatever. Oh, my God. And then the next episode's called Baby Killer. Yes. I, okay. Well, I love how I'm, like, I get upset. Like, I don't know what SVU is.
1: (laughs) I know. You're like toots.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I'm surprised. <laughs> what?
1: What job have I been working in for 20 years?
0: <laughs> so yeah, we'll hit that next week. But until then, follow us on all socials at SVU Pod. email us at SVUPod at gmail.com, or check out our website, svupod.com. Yeah, Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Yes,